All right, so we're in Acts chapter 18. I want you to notice in verse 24, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So I want you to notice what you're seeing here in this passage. So we've got a Jew named Apollos, but he's somebody who was born at Alexandria. He's not, not somebody who lives in Israel. He wasn't around Jerusalem. He's a very eloquent man. This guy is very gifted. He's a very gifted speaker. His Bible says he was mighty in the scriptures. This guy knew the Old Testament and he knew the, he knew the Old Testament very well. And notice he comes to Ephesus and he starts pre- and he's preaching. Okay. And, but he's pre- he's instructed in the way of the Lord. He knows the Bible. He's fervent in the spirit. He's teaching diligently the things of the Lord. But look what it says. It says knowing only the baptism of John. So, if the chronologies are right, this is about 10 to 15 years after Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead. And here we have a man who is still just preaching what John preached. Now, let me ask you, was what John preached truth? Absolutely, it was true. Okay. But the thing is, a lot's changed since John's time, hasn't it? I mean, the Messiah came. The Lamb of God came He was slain. He died on the cross. He rose again. I mean, a lot has changed. I mean, the gospel is going to the Gentiles now. A lot's happened in the last several years. But this guy, nobody's told him yet. Nobody's told him yet. Now, let me ask you, when did this guy go from being a good guy preaching the same thing that John preached to all of a sudden being a bad guy? You know what the answer is? Never. He was still a good guy. He was still a good guy, but he just didn't have complete information yet. You know, he was so, he's somebody, he's a great teacher. He's a great order. I mean, Apollos is somebody who, you know, you'd want to get this guy on your side. And so I think, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, they, they hear him preaching and they're thinking, Hey, this guy is saved. Okay. This, cause I do, I believe that Apollos was already saved. You could be saved, you know, before, you know, the time of Christ from just believing the scriptures in the old Testament. This guy believed those Old Testament scriptures. I mean, he knew them well. He could teach them well. But it had not been told him yet what had happened with Jesus. Now, we don't have anybody like this today. We don't have any people alive on this planet that were saved under the Old Covenant. Okay? Anybody that's alive now should know about Jesus. Okay? If they're saved, they know about Jesus. But this is a special time. This was a unique situation. And so we're not, we're not going to find guys today that are in this exact same situation but I do believe there's some principles we can learn and there's some things that are, that are similar. So, uh, but this guy, when he's preaching, as soon as they hear him, they're like, listen, all, we, we got to get this guy. Let's go talk to this guy because when we tell him what we know, he is going to eat it up. This guy knows the scriptures. It's just nobody's told him about Jesus yet. So what do they do? They went and they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly or completely. More information has been added. We've received another distribution or dispensation of the gospel. We've not entered into a new dispensation, but we've received more. Let's tell them about it. And you know what this guy did? Because he believed the Old Testament. 
because he believed the Old Testament, he believed the story of Jesus. And I personally believe, I have no doubt in my mind, that when he was told about Jesus, I think those Old Testament scriptures that he knew so well probably came alive to him like never before. All of a sudden, you know, I, wait a minute, if you're telling, what you're, based on what you're telling me, then all of a sudden now, I understand this passage, I understand this passage, and he's getting all these things, and I mean, I think Apollos was probably more excited than ever, because again, I, there's no doubt in my mind, he was already saved, he was just behind on some information, and so it says in verse 26, you know, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, oh, we already covered that, um, so you know, notice though, you know, when Aquila and Priscilla, when they, when they hear him, they didn't rebuke him and get in a fight with him. They didn't call him a heretic because nobody's told him this yet. I mean, literally nobody, this man has not been introduced to the story of Jesus yet. You know, you need to give people a chance before you beat them up. And let me tell you, there's a lot of people out there that, and, and many of them are people who are not even saved, who have a desire to know the truth, who want the truth, but you know what? It's never been presented to them. Nobody's ever giving it to them in a clear way. Nobody's ever given it to them in a loving way. And if we, and if we would get it to them, I believe they would eat it up. But you know what? Too many times we are like, we're like robots. Okay. I've been talking about robot theologians lately. I'm about ready to preach a sermon on robot theologians. Who it's like, because, you know, I mean, we all know Catholicism is horrible, right? Yeah, Catholicism is terrible. So, you know, obviously, we get so passionate against Catholicism sometimes. We get so mad at these priests and the popes and the things that they're teaching that are just absolute heresy. That if we find somebody who thinks that way or believes that way, we just put them right there in the same category. But folks, maybe nobody's ever told them any different. You realize some countries, I mean, Catholicism just has a stranglehold on those people. But, you know, I believe there's people in those countries that have a desire for the truth, that have a love for the truth, that love the Bible, but no one's ever explained the ways of God more perfectly to them. But some of you robots out there, you know, you hear them saying a Hail Mary and you declare them a reprobate or something like that. No, you don't do that. You know what you need to do? You need to do like Priscilla and Aquila did, and you need to go to them and expound that word of God, ways of God, more perfectly. And I believe a lot of these people would eat it up. And the title of my message tonight is Finding Your Apollos. We need to, we need to do a little better job of finding those Apollos out there. We need to be a little better, do a little better at just having some discernment and being able to tell the difference between somebody who is just a lying devil wanting to take as many people to hell with them as possible and someone who is just ignorant. Someone who's just never been told the truth. So this, because this man, I think, and I think these two were able to tell by the way he's preaching, listening to him preach that Old Testament, the way he's doing it, they had no doubt. If we can get this guy to listen to us, he is going to be with us. And this guy is going to be awesome to have on our side because this guy, he knows that Bible. He is very eloquent. He knows how to teach people. He's influential. We know all these things. And so Let's read a little bit more in verse 27. It says, when he was deposed to pass in Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who, when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews in that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So notice how, you know, they, they tell him, hey, disciples, you need to receive this guy. 
He's one of us. He's saved. And so they did. They received him. And then this guy, you know what he was able to do? He was able to reach a bunch of those Jews that the rest of them couldn't reach. You know why? Because one, he was a gifted speaker. You know, it, it sometimes helps to have those gifts. It helps sometimes to have brains. I get it. The Holy Spirit's the most important thing. And he can use somebody who's not eloquent to reach people. And you know, that person that maybe isn't real smart, isn't real eloquent, God can use you to reach a special group too. But you know what? God can use the really educated and the really smart and the eggheads to reach a certain group of people too. And I think that's how Apollos is here. And he's somebody that when he got on their side, man, he is really convincing these Jews. You know what? Because he knows these, these are his people. You know, he knows how they think. He knows their arguments before they even bring it up. So he's able to get up there and just go to the Old Testament and then preach Jesus Christ from those Old Testament scriptures. And he is convincing people through the scriptures that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah. He's getting it done. So and when this guy heard about Jesus, he knew the scriptures. Anyone who believes the scriptures believes that Jesus is the Messiah. End of story. Anyone who believes the Old Testament believes Jesus is the Messiah. If you ever do come across the Jew and they actually do believe the Old Testament, guess what? They're going to believe all about Jesus. They're going to believe Jesus when you tell them about it. Now, there might be some Jews out there that have only ever read the Old Testament but and have never heard of Jesus. But you know what? If they really do believe it, they will believe you. I can promise you that. They will believe you if uh, when you preach Jesus to them. And so in verse 19 or chapter 19 so jump over to chapter 19 and verse 1 and it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth Paul having passed through all the upper coast came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples these would have so these right here these would have been people who followed Apollos because Apollos he's not in town anymore but his followers were still there so but Paulus, Apollos's followers they haven't heard about Jesus yet okay? so in verse 2 he said unto them um, under what then or, um, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye have believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. All oh, these guys are obviously heretic devils then. They don't even know about the Holy Ghost. Well, it's because nobody's told them about him yet. They, this hasn't been revealed. These guys are still behind the times knowing only the baptism of John. So they go and they, but you know what? These guys being followers of Apollos, you know what they were? They were saved guys who believed the Old Testament. So guess what the result was when they preached Jesus? They believed it, didn't they? Because again, you can't believe the Old Testament and not believe in Jesus. It's impossible. It can't be, it can't be done. So it says, He said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him that is on Christ Jesus. That's the repentance John the Baptist preached, that you need to repent and you need to believe on him. That's what John preached. And it says, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied, and all the men were about twelve. So just like Apollos, as soon as they heard the rest of the story, Sure enough, they followed Paul. So again, we don't have any groups like this today that were saved under the old covenant. We, we, don't, we don't have any groups like that. But I do believe there are some principles that we can learn from the story here. Where And I do believe we in our lives are going to come across people 
that are like Apollos, who they they know some truth, but you know what? They need a little more. You know, they're doing some things right, but they've still got some areas that are wrong in their life. And you know what? It's our job to come along and help them understand the way of God more perfectly. It's up to us to come along and show them what they're missing. And we do it in a loving way because understand where a lot of these people are today. These are not just all heretic devils. I get it. There's some things that they believe that are wrong. There are some things they believe that are bad. But if nobody has ever given the gospel to them, what do you expect? What do you expect when you go into a Muslim country where you're not even allowed to have church and you talk to a person they believe in Allah? Obviously, that's a horrible religion. But are you just going to treat that person like a devil immediately and just pulverize them and rebuke them and just tell them off? Or are you going to lovingly try to explain some things to them that they don't know? You know, we ought to always have the attitude whenever we, whenever we confront people that if given the truth, they would accept it. That should, be, that should always be our you know, immediate response to people. If we find somebody that's a, that's a Catholic, you know, we should automatically just assume that if somebody can prove to them from the Bible and show them you know, passages like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 that they will believe it and that they will get saved. If we talk to, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, uh, if it's a Jew, if we tell them about Jesus, that they'll believe, that should be our, you know, just immediate response to these things. But unfortunately, we don't do that. Unfortunately, what we're seeing today is people, they have some things that they're missing. And as independent fundamental Baptists, our go-to response is to beat them up. And folks, this absolutely disgusts me this absolutely disgusts me and we have got to get rid of the spirit we are not helping anybody you know what we're doing we're just radicalizing ourselves and making ourselves just look like a weird cult where we're like the only people in the world that are saved that's nuts that is not how we are supposed to be you know there's a lot of good there's a lot of saved people out there that need a few things expounded them more perfectly and you know what there's some people out there who aren't saved that it but yet love truth that love, you know, that even love the Bible, but nobody's ever put the truth right in front of them for them to accept. And we need to be a little more careful how we are with people to make sure we don't lose a chance to win over an Apollos. So the first thing we need to understand that we can learn, uh, something we can learn from this story that will help us today is first to remember there are some wonderful people out there who've just never been taught some things. You know, you know what the problem is? They've just never heard it. No, nobody's ever told them. I heard a story one time about an evangelist who went to a church and he, you know, he started preaching on dress standards. And the pastor's wife, she, you know, the, he, she came to him after the service just like, I've never heard that before. And it was just like, and she, she wanted to get right. Okay, now some of you, if you'd have seen that pastor's wife out in public, you'd be like, what's wrong with that church? You know, her husband's a liberal. Her husband's this. You know what the problem? Nobody ever told them. You, you realize there is a lot of people in the religious world that are not familiar with the independent fundamental Baptists. They're not familiar with us. They're not familiar with our ways and how we do things. And they're out there doing things the best of their ability. They're doing the best they can with what, what they've been given. And I, I get it. You know, we get bent out of shape at those who leave the IFB 
to go liberal. And so they went out from us because they were not of us. You know, we've come up with all these reasons that they're not really saved and why they're just, they're just, you know, compromisers. You know, they have a spaghetti noodle for a backbone. You know, we've, we know all the excuses, right? And so what do we do? We start seeing people that have church a certain way, that dress a certain way, and we put them all in that category. But you know what? There's some nobody's ever told them. There's some that have just never had anyone open up a Bible and say, this is how things are supposed to be done. No, it's, it's never happened with these people. And if it was, it was some knucklehead that visited their church and was foaming at the mouth trying to straighten out the church and the pastor on the first visit. You can't do that. That's not, that's not how this works. I don't think Aquila and Priscilla went and was just foaming at the mouth, you know, getting all over, you know, Paulus is, you know, and just getting on to him, calling him names and things. No, you don't win people over that way. That's not how that works. So look at what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Now, this, this might seem weird because, you know, we understand the Apostle Paul, you know, in many ways, he was a bad guy. He was a very bad guy. I mean, he persecuted the church, right? Persecuting the church is super bad. Okay? It's a super bad thing. When he was consenting to the death of Stephen, you all understand? That was super bad when he did that. But did you know that when the Apostle Paul was persecuting the church, Paul thought he was doing the Lord's work. Paul thought he was doing good. Paul was doing the best he could. He was just wrong. And it says in 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. And it's like, why, why, why would Paul have been blaspheming? Well, he was probably trash in the name of Jesus. Now, Paul was the kind of person that would probably would have stoned somebody for blaspheming the name of God, but he would blaspheme the name of Jesus, not realizing that Jesus is God. So, you know, keep that in mind. I injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. He didn't know what he was doing. Now, even though he was doing it in ignorance, it was still sin. It was still bad. He still deserved to have judgment of God come down on him. He deserved to die and go to hell. But you know what he said? And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. So understand the apostle Paul, those sins he did were big sins. Did you know preaching, you know, Catholicism is a big sin. Preaching a false gospel is a big sin. But did you know that not everyone that preaches a false gospel is a reprobate? Some are ignorant. Some people are just ignorant. The Apostle Paul, look at what he was doing. Persecuting church. We would have labeled him a reprobate so fast it wouldn't have even been funny. But the Apostle Paul was just ignorant. That was his problem. And thank God, this man ended up on our side. Because look at all that he accomplished. Look at all that he got done. And you know, we should look at, when we see people, when, if you have people in your life that you come across, that you have some kind of relationship with, that are on the wrong side, you know what you should do? You should look at them as like, man, what if we got them on our side? You know, what if we got Joel Osteen on our side? I know, I know, I know we've, we've already reprobated him, but you know what, maybe we went too far. You know? what, what if we got somebody like him on our side? You know, any of the big names that are out there. You know, we should have that attitude. And obviously none of us are probably going to get that opportunity to get with Joel Osteen and really give him the gospel. 
But at the same time, you know, anytime we have an opportunity, if you if you get that chance to witness to somebody that's influential, we should do that being motivated that this person could probably change a lot of people's minds. You know, this is this person, they are they're a very gifted speaker. They're very talented. What if we could get them using their gifts for the Lord? What if we could get them preaching the truth? You know, that should be our attitude. But unfortunately, it's like we're just we're just lazy and just so quick to just label somebody a reprobate. No, why don't we try actually making a difference? You know, we can't expect everyone to be exactly like us in all things the first time they walk through the doors. We And I'm afraid that's how it is in a lot of churches. They come walking in, everybody looks them up and down. They don't look like one of us. I mean, too, some people too, they come in these churches and everybody starts grilling them on doctrine. Are you serious? Why in the world would they be immediately lined up with us on doctrine, especially if it's somebody who's maybe never been to church before, or even somebody who's just from a false religion or something like that, you you can't do that. I mean, how would you feel if you went into a church like that and they did, especially, you know, right now we're confident, we're ready to go. I would love nothing more than to walk into a church, even if it was a false religion church, and let them grill me on doctrine. All right, let's do this. Okay, you know, I'm ready to go. I'll go into the belly of the beast. I don't care. Right? But when you first get saved, do you really want that? You really want people doing that to you? You know, what what would you have done the first time you came in here? We are we're just giving you the third degree, making sure you're all you know short up on the reprobate doctrine and you know post trib and all you know that, that's just dumb, folks. We don't need to be that way. It's weird. People aren't going to be like us right away. But you know what we should do? Every time somebody walks in these doors, we should have the attitude that you know what they're probably here looking for truth, and we've got it. And we should assume that if given a good presentation of the truth, that they will receive it. We should give them the benefit of the doubt, that they are looking for truth. That should be our attitude. And so there's, there's a massive difference between somebody who has walked away from the truth and someone who's never been shown the truth. And here's another thing, too, about those who've walked away from, I don't want to say the truth, but those who have walked away from the IFB, Understand, there's some horrible representation of the IFB out there who call themselves IFB. Y'all understand? There's a lot of people who uh, look like us, talk like us, act like us, but they're a terrible representation of it. Why wouldn't people walk away from those churches? And you know, we and so we ought to have the attitude, even if they walked away, that you know maybe they had a really poor representation. If they could come here. If they could see a real church, if they could see real Christians and how they act, they would probably change their mind on these things. But you know what we do? We just immediately mark them. You know, they're a reprobate, whatever. But no, there's, there's a big difference between somebody who walked away from the truth and somebody who's never been shown the truth. Nobody's ever shown it to them. Some people, but you know, some people, they're not capable of figuring out the innocently ignorant from the rebel. And there is a difference. You have the rebels out there. You have the people that just want to question everything. They just want to come and they want to argue with you. But some people are just ignorant. But the robot Christians out there, they do. They start grilling them. What are your thoughts on salvation? What if I killed 50 people? Would I still be saved and go to heaven? And the on, well, I don't really know. Not saved. You know, it's like, that's how they are. You don't answer things just right. Define repentance. Oh, you just use the word repent. 
heretic, something wrong with you. So, and, and they have no ability to listen to the person and find out where they're getting at, find out where they're coming from. They have no ability to do that. They just hear the word and then just alert, alert. You know, that's how they are. Stinking robots. These people, they irritate the snot out of me. You know, and let me tell you, there's all been a million movies about the robots taking over. I'm afraid the robots are taking over the IFB and destroying it because it's ridiculous. These people, they, they get a few, you know, they get a few uh, phrases programmed in their head, a few, you know, nuggets of truth or, you know, just facts are given, but they don't know how to actually sort anything out. They don't know how to deal with people. They don't know how to express these things. These people are jokes and they're embarrassing and it absolutely makes me sick. We don't need to be that way. Let me tell you, the robot theologians would have thrown Apollos into hell if they'd have heard him. This guy's in the wrong dispensation. You know, what in the world? This guy, is he's out there preaching salvation, and he isn't talking about Jesus. But the thing is, he was talking about Jesus. He just didn't know it. He just didn't, he didn't know it. You know what you need to do? You need to show him. And a lot of times, too, there's people out there that are teaching a free salvation involving eternal security that's just believe on Christ. But they're using some terminology they don't know. They're preaching what we preach. They just don't know it. You know what we need to do? We should go and show them, hey, you know, here's what you should do. Here's what you should say. This is more effective. Why don't you do this? But you know what, you know what we always want to do? We always want to start labeling them a heretic. We always want to start hammering them. You know what? Why don't you be like Aquila and Priscilla and go be kind to that person, show them the truth, and you know what? Maybe we'll have another Apollos on our side. That's what we need to be doing. But most people aren't doing that. Some people, they, you know, some people ignorantly and immaturely attack somebody just because they have that title or position. Because preachers, too, they get up all the time and they just make these dumb blanket statements. You know, anybody, you know, any woman preacher is not saved. Anybody who's ever, you know, if they're preaching a false gospel, they are, you know, accursed. Let them be accursed. Therefore, they are a reprobate. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe some have never been told the truth on this subject. Because think about this, too. You know, if, did you, if, you know it's possible to be raised in a Pentecostal church, and that's all you've ever really been subjected to. And did you know they're probably going to hear enough Bible that they, in their hearts, believe the Bible? They love the Word of God and maybe even have a love for the Lord. But unfortunately, you know, people in that Pentecostal church, they've been resting the Scriptures. They've been twisting things. They've been deceiving them. But that person, they may, even though they're a Pentecostal, they might even be in their 20s or their 30s and might even be a Pentecostal preacher, but yet they still have a love for the Lord in their heart, but they've just been deceived. And if somebody would go and give them the truth, you know what? They'd change their mind. They would get those things right because they do have love for the truth. But some preacher, because he's just you know too lazy to actually get to the issues on a doctrine a lot of times, he just declares a whole group unsafe. You know, and you can't just make blanket statements like that. Or all heretic, or all, um, all reprobate. You can't do that kind of thing. I think it's very possible... For somebody to, you know, even get saved at a young age and just, you know, there's so many churches now that are so politically correct, they might not ever actually take the time to preach about women preachers. And there's a lot of people, they get shocked when you bring that up. 
nobody's ever went to the Bible and was like, no, this is actually what it means. You know, that, and unfortunately, uh, we're so quick to just you know, throw them under the bus, we never change anybody's mind. This is not good. Uh, so, uh, you know, we've, so we've got a lot of people that are doing these kind of things. I think they're doing a lot of damage. You know, and we, do, we have people in the Bible who, uh, like for example, Cornelius. You know, Cornelius, he gave alms to the Lord. He prayed. You know, now, was Cornelius saved? No, he wasn't. Cornelius was not saved until Peter came and preached Jesus to him. But let me ask you, was Cornelius a good man? Was he, did he have a love for God? Did he have a desire for the truth? You better believe he did. And you know what he did when somebody finally came to him and lovingly preached the gospel to him? He got saved and he got saved right away. How about the Ethiopian eunuch? You know, some of you, you know, if you went out there and if you just said, understand us what thou readest, you'd have been like, well, you know, he that is of God heareth God's words. You're unsaved. That's what you, that's what you would have done. But, and the thing is too, I mean, we don't know for sure, but you know, you have an Ethiopian eunuch, you know, who, who'd come from, you know, who's out there. Chances are he was religious. Chances are if he's reading Isaiah that he was searching for the God of the Jews, he might've even considered himself, uh, you know, like a convert or something in some way. I don't, I don't know. We don't know that much about him, but here's what we do know. The guy was lost, but he wanted truth. And when presented to him, he accepted it. And we see many examples like that in the Bible of people who, if you would have went to them and asked them their beliefs and their position on things, uh, many of them, we would have listed them as unsaved, probably would have been right. Some of them we'd have listed as a reprobate. But the truth is, these were fantastic people that just needed somebody to tell them the truth. Explain the way of God more perfectly. And thankfully, there were people there that did that and changed these people's lives for the better. So another thing we need to understand, there's a lot of people out there who have many wonderful qualities who if they were just helped a little bit, they could make a big difference and reach a lot of people that the rest of us couldn't. Because again, back to Acts 18.24, you know, Apollos, he was, he was mighty in the scriptures. He was a very eloquent man. He mightily convinced the Jews. He got the job done. You know, and we should, we should want to... Uh, Reach people that we feel will be influential. I've had people too in the past that I've worked with. Man, if I get that person saved, then they would, they, I just know, they'd be a great soul winner. You ever seen people like that? It's like, they would be a great soul winner. We just got to get them saved. We need to start seeing the potential in people. And unfortunately, we're just too busy looking for a reason to nail people all the time. You know, and so we should always assume people will get right if we get the truth to them first. And so, it's not always a matter of just lacking salvation. Sometimes people are. That's the thing they're missing, and that's a pretty big thing to be missing. But at the same time, that doesn't mean they don't love the truth. They, have, they, they don't have a love for the Scriptures and a love for what they know about the Lord, but they do need the truth given. Uh, but sometimes they're just lacking in other areas. And so, and so we ought to be willing and ready to help those people. And you know, one example of somebody that I've been working with uh, for, for a while now is Pastor Obi from out in Pennsylvania. You know, here, here's a man who was a, he grew up in a Pentecostal church. His dad was a Pentecostal preacher. And, Pat, and, and so he, he grows up in this. You know, he's taught a lot of scripture. He's seen a lot of things. He, he understands being a pastor from, uh, you know, being involved in all that kind of thing. But you know what? He's not saved. He's not been taught the right gospel. 
He's not been taught the truth. He grows up in it. He ends up deciding to become a Pentecostal pastor. They ordain him. Even women laid hands on him. Folks, that's not right. But he didn't know any better. They did that. They ordained him. He became the pastor. And you know what? This guy, while he was lost, and and, uh, I was talking to him just this week, and he was kind of giving me some of his testimony too. And he was talking about how, you know, he came close to going down a dark path because there's this, you know, he was talking about just the desire for money and things. They talk a lot about the prosperity and all that stuff and the wing of Pentecostals that he was from. And he was talking about how, you know, he almost went down that path and thankfully never, never fully went down it. But thank God he got saved. Thank God. He heard the truth of the gospel. I don't remember all the details, but you know, um, it, it came down to eternal security, I think it was. I think it was right before his dad died. His dad said something to him about that. And he was just like, no. And, and then you know, his mom told him how, or I, I believe his mom told him his dad said something about eternal security before he died. And he's like, no. And so he started studying. And he started, you know, looking online and came across a lot of different people. And a lot of them that he came across were bad. But then finally he came across Pastor Anderson, saw what he taught. And then eventually things started clicking with him and he got it right. And you know what? He got saved. And then here he is now pastoring a church, newly saved, pastoring a a false religion. Okay. Now. Now, what does our side want to do? Our side wants to beat the guy up now, right? Because we, we still want to beat him up because what's he doing pastoring? He just got saved. You know, what, what's this baby Christian doing pastoring? Listen, wouldn't we love it if all the pastors of false religions would get saved? Wouldn't that be great? And you know what he did? He decided he wanted to change his church into Baptist. Okay, now, and, and you know, he, obviously he lost a bunch of people. You know, he had some people that followed him. He had some people that stuck by him that also got saved. And, you know, and he has continued to pastor. Now, you know what? I agree that, you know, I do. I believe churches start churches. I believe he needs to be reordained, all that stuff. I, 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 believe, I believe that. I don't think women laying hands on you counts. Okay? I don't recognize Pentecostal ordinations. But you know what? He contacted me a couple of years ago after hearing me preach a message on ordination. And he was just like, you know, I, I need proper authority. You know, he never heard that before. He heard a truth in the preaching. And you know what? He's like, I want to, I want to get these things right. And you know, I, I've, I've been communicating, you know, just, you know, recently since I w- went out there, I've been spending a lot of time with them. I've been doing these weekly zoom calls with them. We're just kind of going over things. You know why? Because I want to help this guy. I want him to continue pastoring this church. And, and, and here's some principles. Let me go show you a few scriptures. This is, this is a similar thing. Obviously, there's some differences, but here's some similar, I think, what's going on here. In Titus chapter 1, verse 5, notice how it says, For this cause left I thee in Crete. Paul left Titus in Crete for this reason, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Did you know that when uh, the apostles first started going out in the world. They always went to the synagogues first. You know why? Because these are people who believe the Old Testament, who believed in the coming Messiah. They're the first people you're going to go to. And in many of those places, there were saved people there. And so they're hearing the gospels being spread like crazy. Groups are forming. You know, churches are kind of being started. But obviously, if a church just kind of spontaneously starts with a group of people that have just gotten saved... 
you know what? There's going to there's be some issues, aren't there? So you know what Paul did? Titus, you go there, you see what's going on, and if there's anything wanting, or if there's anything lacking, you know what you do? Fix it. Help them. Help them get it right. And you know what I, you know what I did? Recently, I went out there. I wanted to go see what was going on at his church. And you know what? I was, I was impressed with what I saw. I liked what I saw he, that he's doing out there. Now, are there some things... Are there some things wanting? Yes. Obviously, there's going to be some areas where he needs some help. So what do I do? Do I beat him up for not being where he should be on those things? Or do I help him get there? Folks, the guy is ready to get there. The guy wants to do things right. He's anxious to learn. He's learning fast. Are there things lacking? Of course there's things lacking. But are we going to beat him up or are we going to help him? We're going to help him. And that, that's what we've been doing. And that's what Titus would do. And then he would ordain elders. He would get them ordained. All right, you, get, you take care of the things that are wanting, ordain them, and then they'll have leadership. And they're good. In Acts 15, verse 40, it says, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, confirming the churches. Now, what, is that, what does that mean, confirming the churches? Why is he doing that here? Well, that word confirming, it could mean to support further or to reestablish or to strengthen. So what what does that mean? You know what? Paul's hearing about these groups. Hey, there's a group over in this city. There's a group over in Cilicia. So what you could say, they're already a church, but at the same time, you know, if a church is lacking something, missing something, doing something wrong, they need to fix it, don't they? So what would Paul do? Paul would go check on these people. And if there were things that were wrong, they would fix it. And then, you know, once they fixed it, notice what it says in Acts 14, 21 that they did. So he would strengthen them. Here, here's some things you need to get right. Here's some things that you need to work on. In Acts 14, 21, it says, And they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that through much tribulation under the kingdom of God, and when they had ordained them elders in every church, and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Now, what does that mean to confirm the souls? Well, basically, when, you know, that's kind of what I did today with an individual I talked to. I went, and when I first started talking to him, he wasn't, he didn't answer some of the questions right, but as I went through the gospel with him, you know what? He's like, yeah, that is what I believe. And what I try to do was strengthen his faith and just, you know, tell him like, hey, you don't have to worry about this. If this is what you did, according to the word of God, you're saved. You can't lose that. I, I you know, and I, I do. I believe he was already saved, but, you know, he needed some confirmation. He needed some strengthening. Now, did he get saved when I confirmed him? No, but that confirming helped him, didn't it? It helped strengthen him. And it's the same thing with these churches. OK, I are as far as I'm concerned, Love Assembly Baptist Church is already a church. But I do think they need some confirming. I think that somebody should go there, see what's going on, find out what's wanting, strengthen them, and then reestablish them. And that's something we're going to do because there are, there's been some things that I think are missing, you know, and it's not, it's not even a huge deal. I don't think he's terrible because he's missing these things. What do we expect from somebody who came out of a church of God? Do we expect them to just 
be like, I mean, just immediately everything transformed in their church business and everything, just like fundamental Baptist because he got saved. Of course not. We got to show them how these things are done. And then, uh, and, and so that one, one of the things we're doing, we've been kind of going through different things. Um, you know, we spent a lot of time just talking about finances and how to handle money in a church. You know why we did that? Because some of these Pentecostal Church of God churches, are a bunch, they, they got a bunch of crooks. If they, he was, he's from a religion that preaches a lot of prosperity gospel stuff. So I told him, I said, you got to understand, you come from a group that's very abusive in their leadership, abusive with the money. And I said, and you're converting to a group that's kind of known for abusive leadership and stuff too. So I told him, I said, man, you better have the checks and balances all over the place. And I told him too, you know, I was like, you know, you do what you want. I'm here because you've asked me to help, but if you don't have certain things in place in your finances, I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on this. You know, at the end of the day, it's their choice. I can walk away at any time, but if they want my help, I told them you need to have certain things in place because I'm not, I'm not getting behind, you know, something that's going to turn ugly like that and, uh, and have abusive leadership and crooked stuff. I think that's wicked. I think it's horrible. And so, and, and you know, and, and I was, I was thankful that when talking to him about how he's doing the finances, I mean, he was pretty much, I mean, across the board already doing everything right. You know, and that makes me feel good. You know, I'm like, all right, so this guy's naturally doing things right. And many things that I've checked up on him, he's doing these things right. But notice how after they confirmed these things, after they had ordained elders, you know what it says they did after that? They commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. You know, what, you know what Paul did? He went through, all right, everything's good. They laid hands on him. They ordained him. You belong to God. You're his now. And, you know, and that's what I want to do there. And I get, I'm not an apostle. Okay? I, I'm, I'm not an apostle. I don't think I carry the same weight as the apostle Paul. But you know what? This church has, has reached out a man who had a love for the Lord, who had a love for the scriptures, who thankfully you know, had that desire for the truth. And when the word of God was expounded more perfectly, you know what he did? He got saved. And then when he heard some preaching on church structure expounded more perfectly, he said, I want to do that. I want to get that right. And he's reached out for help. And you know what? I want to be like an Aquila and Priscilla to this man and help him in the areas where he's wanting. And then eventually it's my, you know, they're going to be out here next month. He's going to preach. I want you all to get to know him. I want you all to talk to him. I want you all to ask him questions because I think the church ought to be behind something like this. You know, he, he might be able to put one over on me, but it's going to be tough to put one over on the whole congregation. And then, you know, after he does that, I, eventually I want to go back there and it's my hope to ordain him, confirm that church. And you know what? At the end of the day, there's still a church, but I believe that will strengthen them. I do believe that will help them. And, and, and I want to do that. Because I do, I think, I believe Pastor Obi, he'll be able to reach a lot of people. I can't reach everybody in Pennsylvania. You know, and another thing we need, you know, we need, and I get it, he's, he's an African, Afri- you know, he's, you know, he's not an African American, but you know, we need more black preachers out there. You know, they, a lot, there's a lot of people that might be more likely to listen to him, you know, because he's the same skin color than they would me. But either way, we need more people like that. And so when I see him, I think, you know what? I want them on our side. You know what? If I can help them, I want to do it. And you know, we need to be looking for people like that. 
But you know what? We've got a lot of people there looking and saying, you know what? I'm seeing some things that are wanting. Let's shoot them down. Are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? There is no doubt that this is a guy doing the best he can trying to do things right. Why don't we help him? That needs to be our attitude with things. And let me tell you, this little bit of work that Aquila and Priscilla did on Apollos, it enabled a good man to become more complete and do great things for God. He, I mean, once he got this extra information he didn't have before, he was winning the Jews like never before. I mean, he's mightily winning these people over. He was a major part of the church at Corinth. Read the book of Corinthians. You see constant references to Apollos from the Apostle Paul. They knew who this guy was. He was somebody who ended up going and doing great things for the Lord. Somebody who was very influential, who kind of had his own following. Some of them were kind of carnal too and were like, I'm of Apollos. But you know, either way, he was preaching the gospel. He was getting things done. And you know what? You need to ask yourself, you know, what have you done and what are you doing as an individual to help somebody else become that better Christian? Are you just that person who nitpicks on them and lets them know everything they have wrong and you beat them up over it? Or are you helping strengthen them? That's what we should be doing. As a, as a church, what are we doing to improve people, to make them more complete? Are we, are we giving them a chance or are we running everybody off? You know, There's many people out there with great potential to do amazing things for God. And, you know, we've got to do our part to help get people to that point and not just run everybody off that's a little different. And I do, I hope to reach, I hope to reach a lot of people, uh, you know, and if we start getting, you know, groups in here, you know, if, you know, that, you know, you, you know, you think about like COVID land when it comes out, you know, we, we might attract some Alex Jones followers, right? Some of those people are crazy, you know, some of them are pretty good folks too, you know, some of them, you know, they're, you know, if we can get, if we could channel some of that crazy and to, you know, but you know, a lot of them, they're not going to just be just like us. Are we going to get freaked out or are we actually going to be strong and help them and support them? All these people that we're knocking doors when they, when they come in, are we going to learn how to connect with these people, you know, sympathize with them, empathize with them, whatever we need to do so we can help them? Or are we going to take all the information that you learn every week and use it to just beat people over the head? And we cannot be that way. That is not the kind of church I want to be. I want to be one that's helping people. I want to find those apologists out there. I want to get. The, I want to find those influential people in town, and you know, and get them saved, get them the truth, so they can start winning people over. You know, we need. We ought. We ought to want to get that influential teenager in town. He can go win all the other his other friends, ones that you wouldn't be able to. And you never know when you're going to come up on that person when you're out soloing. And we need. We should look at everybody with potential. We should look at everybody assuming the best about them. That man, I, I get it, you hate Baptist churches, but if you ever went to this one, you'd change your mind. That's the way we ought to think with people. And I, I'm just, I'm not seeing enough of that with Baptists. It's like we fight so much with the opposition, we're just, we see enemies everywhere. Even where we shouldn't. And I think that's a terrible attitude. And so, with that, let's go ahead and pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help. Lord, I pray you'll help us as a church to uh, be the kind of church that can uh, reach out to people and uh, make a difference. Help us to assume the best 
about people and try to uh, just explain the way of God more perfectly to them. I pray to help us to, uh, as individuals, to find that Apollos uh, that we can minister to and be a blessing to so they can turn around and do great things for you. In your name we pray. Amen.